Hello and welcome to another edition of Guide Vision Insider, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes here at Guide Vision and into the world of service now. And we've got a, a wonderful guest today for you, uh, Philip Vatsula, principal consultant here at Guide Vision. And uh, Philip uh, is going to be talking with us about innovation and the ServiceNow platform. So welcome. Thank you for, for coming out. appreciate that. Thank you very much, Doug, for the invite. I was looking forward really to when will I be invited or will I be invited. I've been mm, watching or listening to the podcast of my colleagues and found them really inspiring, interesting. So I was really looking forward to this opportunity. Thank you. Well, thank you. Sla the flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> um, that's the plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, we're... Uh, I wanted to talk with you about uh, innovation because you've been involved in some really interesting projects here at Guide Vision, and um, that actually was uh, something that I, you know, I've been wondering about as well. Because I mean, on one hand, the ServiceNow platform is constantly developing; it's you know, it's growing so fast. But there, it would seem almost that for uh, an outside developer or a third-party developer, which is kind of what, what Guide Vision is then the opportunities for innovation are different or elsewhere. Can you innovate on the ServiceNow platform? Very good question. Yeah. Um, you have mentioned the expanding scope, let's say, of the ServiceNow platform, and that is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. um, when I was joining GuideVision eight years ago, ServiceNow was more profiling as a um, software as a service. Then they have moved to a platform as a service, and now they come to call themselves platform of the platforms, um, which is really intriguing to me. And it shows you the, the potential or, or the path of what ServiceNow is taking. Um, and uh, you are right, it's ever-growing, ever-expanding. Ever so how do you compete, let's say, with ServiceNow? Because they have a huge potential. They have a lot of developers that are, um, and they know their product very well. So they are the prime example of innovation. However, we, uh, as GuideVision, have the specific focus only on the ServiceNow platform. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a lot of experience with the customers' projects. We have customers from a wide area of, of businesses of of their domains mm -hmm. uh, and therefore we can identify the innovations there so let's say let's take an example we have uh, a consultant that is with the company for multiple years so they usually switch projects they usually rotate because we have identified as that's the quickest way for people to grow um, and so they are switching the projects, and so they have experience from multiple customers as well as multiple projects. And therefore, when um, discussing some solution, some specific solution for a specific problem or specific business need that the customer is having, um, they can, let's say, click um, when thinking about the solution mm -hmm. and think about, okay, maybe um, this is a solution not just for this customer, but maybe we can make it into a generic solution. Maybe this will not be interesting just for this specific customer in this specific case, but maybe we can solve multiple cases or the same case for multiple customers. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where uh, innovations can uh, really can arise from mm -hmm. um, by, by identifying the same need of multiple customers when we are doing the solutioning. Right. And I think it's, easy when doing the solutioning we as humans try to take the easy way out 
right? Um, try to solve it very quickly. Typically, there is time pressure. Customer wants everything. Yesterday was too late, uh, as we say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm busy yesterday. Exactly. You should yeah. try the day before yesterday. <laughs> I'm, I'm less busy. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know how it goes. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, under the time pressure, we tend to um, prefer the easy solutions, the quick solutions. Uh, but quite often, we would tunnel vision mm-hmm. and um, try to just solve it as quickly as possible and then forget about the making a generic solution or a usable solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, when in guide vision, we try to look at things holistically, try to look at the bigger picture, not just focus on having the solution as quickly as possible, uh, because... We see that as a key for uh, continuing relationships with our customers. We typically, um, our engagement, I, I don't know the statistics, but I would say the engagements we have with customers are multiple years. So not just one project and finish. Right. Typically, we jump from one project to another project to another project, and the uh, teams are typically stable. Um, so one of the key uh, components in that are creating solutions that are not just you know, fit the business needs right now, but would also fit the business needs tomorrow, or uh, they would fit the business needs, not just of one business unit, let's say one group, mm-hmm. but also of a second one that doesn't know now that they have this need, but maybe in the future they will. Right. And so having reusable solutions for the customer is one of the key points. And if you can elevate, let's say this generosity or the reusability, um, to the next level and have it reusable also for other customers. Mm-hmm. I think that's where really innovations come from. Um, so, yeah. You know, I, uh, I saw a quote from a, a venture capital capital uh, investor one time who said that, uh, you know, when pitching uh, an idea for investment, he says, you know, always concentrate on the problem. And, you know, that so many startups will talk about their great solution but he, what he says is, your solution is not my problem. And so understanding mm-hmm. uh, the, the needs of the user uh, seems like it's a really big part of mm-hmm. the, the puzzle. Right? Definitely. Yep. Yeah. And when you're, when you're working with one of these customers, you spend a lot of time with them. Um, how do you approach uh, understanding what their, their needs are? That's tricky. Yeah, I would say it depends. That's the universal yeah. answer. Yeah, <laughs> we are making uh, jokes with our colleagues that basically for whatever uh, question you can answer, it depends. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, really, we choose uh, individual approach. Um, nor typically we would start like this is the sp- uh, basic business analysis process. Let's say. Um, so we would start by uh, reaching out to them, having setting up a workshop. Mm-hmm. If it can be collocated, everyone in the same place, even better. Um, spend some time together. Typically, having whole day reserved for that is is better. Um, understand the business need very well, and mm, the the focus on business need is really the key here. Yeah. Because typically, people when talking about their needs or what they think are their needs, they would tell you how they imagine the solution. So they have started solutioning in their head and they will tell you, oh, I need this field edit here because it fits my need. Right. And you, you can go like, okay, so we will add the field there. And then customer will not be happy because they imagined they need that. But when they get it, they see, okay, it doesn't suit my need. Right. Um, so really identifying the business need is the challenging part um, to ask them, so why do you need that? What, what's the purpose what, what will you use the field for? 
Um, and uh, once you understand really what they need and truly what they need and uh, from all the different points of view, then uh, only then you can start creating the proper solution. Mm -hmm. So that's also uh, when doing business analysis, uh, we focus on identifying really the customer needs. And I think I'm not even the first one uh, talking about this on this podcast. It, uh, because this is really the the key in in the analysis, but it's also something that's kind of unique about Guide Vision that you know the the organization really uh, has this balance between understanding the business side and mm -hmm. really being good at the technical yep. stuff. So you know these two things really go hand in hand mm -hmm. uh, here, and that's something that I'd, I've seen you know at least in all of the conversations that I've had so far that you know it really is uh, a a theme mm -hmm. uh, that runs runs through the organization mm. now. I was going to ask about uh, reuse, reusability because, um, you know, when you're making something like that, like, uh, you know, you're solving a problem, are you are you thinking right then and there, oh, this is something that I could reuse? Or are you thinking maybe later after it's built? Mm. How does that uh, that come about? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the sooner you can identify, the better. Yeah. Um, of course, so we try to put it as soon as possible because when you start even creating the solution in your mind, um, you already are tr somehow limiting yourself. So uh, to incorporate it as soon as possible is typically the best. Mm -hmm. We try to keep our, let's say, head open, um, try to see the multiple solutions, not just focus on one, yeah. but uh, really consider everything, even like buying some standardized uh, solution that is offered on the ServiceNow store or something that one of our competitors is uh, promoting, for example, or offering. Mm -hmm. um, it can be useful and that may be the, the best way. Like, so, don't reinvent the wheel, right? If right. it's already solved, don't we don't need to solve it another time. And th that's a, a common problem among developers, right? Not invented here <laughs> syndrome, right? Um, but yeah. you, you guys really look for the for the solutions wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And technically, when you talk from the point of view of the developer, um, we've had some challenges with that because sometimes it's really complex to have some kind of catalog, mm -hmm. understand what is already in there, what is offered, what some are the problems that were already solved. And typically in here, uh, we would need some strong architect on the customer side who will be pushing for that because quite often we are not the only vendor uh, that is providing ServiceNow services to a um, our customer. So there needs to be some alignment between the vendors. And mm -hmm. if we can um, collaborate on this level, that's amazing. Yeah. It's challenging. You know, you mentioned the uh, uh, the ServiceNow store. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that I, I didn't know about for a long time, uh, that ServiceNow actually has this resource of all these different uh, pieces of software that mm -hmm. are available. Um, that's Is that something that you turn to a lot uh, when you're when you're working on a, a mm -hmm. project? We try to. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of standardized solutions that are offered there. Quite often they are even for free offered. Mm -hmm. So why not, as a first step, go there, see if somebody else has solved uh, the same problem or similar thing, and go from there. Mm -hmm. Well, that actually brings me to this next thing, because one of the, uh, one of the products or the, the solutions that's in the store mm -hmm. is a, a piece of software that you've been working on um, called Parcel Go. And maybe you can tell us about that because mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a really interesting piece of software. <laughs> Thank you. No, I mean it, it really solves a very interesting problem. It's 
and especially during the pandemic, uh, yeah. we, as we have learned. So let me start from the beginning. Yeah, what is ParcelGo? <laughs> ParcelGo, um, it's our uh, product in, in GuideVision that we are offering on the ServiceNow store. It's actually the first paid product that we offer through the ServiceNow store. We have another um, very successful product called Snow Mirror. Mm -hmm. um, I think when we were talking with Pavel, uh, that was one of the points. Yeah. Um, and the other product that we have is Parsego, and it adds courier capabilities into the ServiceNow platform. That's like the the motto award or the um, the headline yeah. of that product. What it really does is uh, ServiceNow, you would have processes uh, around procurement, around uh, sending like some inventory, having laptops, for example, uh, it's in some uh, warehouse that let's say you have a new hire and you need to ship the laptop from the warehouse to the office where he will be starting. Mm -hmm. So you need to ship somehow. And uh, shipping is not really... or some connection to the courier companies is not included, not part of the ServiceNow platform. And this is what Parsego aims to solve. So if you need to send anything and everything, um, Parsego adds that courier capabilities. Mm -hmm. um, and again, if you have this need, so you need to uh, send something within a ServiceNow process or within a process that is driven or orchestrated by ServiceNow, uh, you would have two options. You can build it on your own, or you can purchase uh, Parsego from the ServiceNow store. And save and a lot of time and effort. And yeah, we hope. <laughs> faster time <laughs> because, to market. Exactly. Yeah. And we have the experience. We are building it. There's customers using it. Um, and also, integrations are not fun. Uh, integrations can be complex from the maintenance point of view. Because you would build something right now, you would integrate with DHL, let's say, mm -hmm. but uh, in half a year, DHL says, okay, we have a new version of the API that you, you need to integrate with, and uh, the old one will stop working in two months. So you have two months to, to uh, migrate. Mm -hmm. um, the benefit of the standardized solution, which is Parsego, is that we take care of that. You, you don't need to care about that. We uh, Our promise is to have capabilities for the courier companies working mm. within ServiceNow platform. And so whatever changes need to happen, we will make them happen. Uh, we will test them with our user base, make sure that everything is in order. Now, you mentioned the pandemic. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because that's really where ParcelGo mm -hmm. came into its own, right? Yes. But how? How did that happen? Um, it's really simple if you think about it, because uh, during the pandemic, um, people started working from home. So even uh, when some businesses or enterprises were not prepared for that, they've had no other choice. Mm -hmm. And then they have found out that um, there's a lot of processes that are not ready for that. They are not ready for, let's take the example of the new hire. Mm -hmm. um, they are not ready for shipping, for example, the laptop to the home of the new hire. They are used to, they have the process set up, they ship it to the office. So. And that's just one example. There's yeah. a lot of processes um, that were reliant, reliant heavily on having people on site at the office. Mm -hmm. And they needed to digitize, uh, to adjust, to support also working from home. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, that, that includes a lot of shipping. So let's say uh, when a contract is signed for the new hire or contract with another vendor, uh, typically people would meet and sign the contract at the same place. 
now with the pandemic or during the pandemic, let's say we are kind of over it now, luckily. Um, so far. So far. <laughs> um, but uh, during the pandemic, you would send that, typically the contract or the laptop or the mobile phone or whatever else. Mm -hmm. So there is a huge need um, that arise from the pandemic to ship things, to send things as right. part of a running a business. So even if in the past you didn't need to ship anything at all, like your business was not revolving around physical goods, yeah. still during the pandemic you need to adjust. And therefore, that's where we saw a big opportunity for PowerSago mm -hmm. uh, because basically every company needs to send something. You think about a bank, you think about a manufacturing company, you think about retail. Um, everywhere there's a lot of IT, for example, which ServiceNow was built for originally in the ITSM. Mm -hmm. um, so shipping IT assets, but also contracts. And um, we were thinking also to take it to the next level with PowerSago. What are the innovative because we are talking about innovations, right. uh, innovative uh, ways to to offer this service. And we were thinking, um, since these uh, enterprises are shipping large amounts of shipments, large amount of parcels, they would have usually favor favorable rates set up uh, in the contract with mm -hmm. the courier companies. So why not uh, make it available, these favorable rates, as a benefit to the employees? So let's say I need to ship something even for personal use, Mm -hmm. um, so I would just order with the favorable rates of my employer uh, from DHL and and send it like this. You can do that with Parsego. You can do that with Parsego. Yes, I did not know that. <laughs> TIL. All right. Yes, that's actually pretty cool. It's it's interesting and it's innovative. It's thinking about it from a different point of view. Yeah. And solving so, a completely different problem, yes. but coming up with also a, a completely different benefit. Yes. So uh, that. Uh, actually leads me to the last thing that I was going to ask about mm -hmm. Parsego, which was how did you know how did you come up with like the idea originally? Was it a, a specific you know customer? Did you have an aha moment? Mm -hmm. You know what was that aha moment? Um, it's actually the same as uh, when we talked about the innovations. Yeah, um, it was the same path. Yeah, so we were a customer. They were solving also quite let's say, unusual use case um, for us. They were, um, they are dealing with extremely sensitive data. Um, and they typically work with loaner laptops. So mm -hmm. they would loan a laptop for the duration of that uh, engagement with their customer. And then the laptop needs to be returned to some warehouse or some facility where they're physically destroying them. Wow. It's it's yeah it's, it's that serious. Okay. And so for them, uh, laptops going missing were a huge deal, and not for the monetary value of a laptop, like thousand dollars, they don't care. Well, let's say they don't okay. care about, but the potential risk of uh, some of the data getting stolen that was in the millions uh, of dollars, even maybe uh, higher. So for them, the most priority was the having the laptop always with them or at least knowing where it is. Mm -hmm. So keeping a complete chain of custody uh, throughout the process. They've had the process really well automated, orchestrated on the ServiceNow platform. Yeah. So they knew basically from the moment when somebody loans it, uh, somebody uh, writes an image to it, uh, ships it to the office where it will be picked up, um, then the life cycle, how it's used, and then when it is returned, 
typically uh, people would leave it at the reception at mm -hmm. the front desk because it's the easiest for them they would just drop it off and then it's the job of the reception to pack it wrap it up order the shipment and then um at the other end at the facility somebody would check yes we have this laptop right but they've had this um void they had this information loss in the shipment process so from getting from the reception to the uh, facility where it would be destroyed, there was empty space where they didn't have information in service now. And so they asked us, hey, we have this problem, we have this need, uh, can you solve it for us? We could go the easy way, let's say, and do it especially for this use case, set up something, but we are thinking, well, it looks like you need to integrate with courier companies, or mm -hmm. they were using the major free courier companies, and uh, we said, well, how about we make this deal, we will make it into our own product, mm -hmm. of course, the, the it will be also favorable to you, right. and uh, we will offer it on the ServiceNow store, and they're like, okay, I like this idea, so that's what we did. That's really nice. We implemented it as a standalone application. Then uh, there was, of course, some additional uh, implementation on their side to plug it into their own processes because the uh, how it is offered as a product on the ServiceNow store, it cannot have this specific integration to their specific process. Um, and then we've made it into a box, let's mm -hmm. say, a, a product, packaged product, that is offered on the ServiceNow store. So that's how... Um, I would say that's one of the innovations uh, to identify the shared need um, and uh, create something, create a solution that can be reused and then offer it on the ServiceNow store. Which actually leads me to the next thing that I was going to ask you about because uh, you have a background in, in software development. You're a, you studied uh, electrical engineering or what was it? Software development? What? Um, it was information systems. Okay, information yep. systems. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're coming from a development background. Mm -hmm. Right, and one of the innovations that people have been talking about a lot lately is citizen development. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, even here in the organization, there's a lot of talk about uh, citizen development, um, low code, no code, and uh, uh, these types of solutions. Um, what do you think about uh, mm -hmm. citizen development? Because I could see that on one hand you'd be really excited about it, but on the other hand mm -hmm. you'd be like super skeptical. <laughs> um I would say the first reaction of most people would be, oh, it's another buzzword, yeah. right? Citizen development, yeah, it's cool. Everyone, everyone wants it now. Low code, no code. Uh, yeah, but like they have never seen uh, any fruit of that. They have never seen it working. Mm -hmm. um, I've had very good experience from a, a project uh, where we have solved very specific needs with the help of customer development. And as I was studying more about it, like learning more, because I really liked the way we solved that specific issue. Mm -hmm. uh, as I was learning more about it, uh, reading the articles on the internet, um, I came, it, it makes so much sense. Yeah. I, I was just thinking, oh, it solves this problem, it solves this problem. And so the concept as I see it and the huge benefits are, um, there is a strong push for IT, like in almost every organization, you cannot avoid IT. Right. Uh, what I really liked at uh, the one of the final exams that I've had at, at the university uh, was when I was preparing for it, that IT does not anymore give you competitive edge. It's something that you need to survive. It, you cannot have run business without IT, uh, which is 
really interesting how this shifted. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that's one point. You, you need IT. Sure. But also developers are for a long time, there's not enough developers on the market. So everyone is looking. We are always hiring, for example, in, series, uh, in Guide Vision. Mm -hmm. I've been here for eight years and we have never stopped hiring. So that tells you something. Yeah. Um, and uh, citizen development can solve this because it gives the tools, um, simplified tools, of course, mm -hmm. to the hands of the business, to the hands of people who know their problem very, very well. Yeah. They know what they are dealing with day to day. And so if typically these would be more... Um, let's say people more familiar with the technical side of things so not you cannot give these tools to anyone uh, but that is the goal i guess mm -hmm. um, and so they can they know their problem very well so they are the best aimed or best uh, equipped to solve it and if you give them tools that they can use themselves to solve this problem using it um, they would have definitely some innovative solutions uh, that they come up with. Mm -hmm. And uh, it also solves the problem of the that there are not enough people in the technical world, let's say, or uh, you always look for more developers mm -hmm. because then you don't need to look for developers. Then you can just take people who are strong technically from the business and give them these tools to solve their own problems also solves vendor lock-in and a lot of other problems along the way. Definitely. Now, you've been talking a little bit generally mm -hmm. about citizen development, but you're actually one of the few people who's had direct hands-on involvement. Mm -hmm. um, how did that go? What was that like? Again, it was very interesting. So we've had this small project um, where it was about fulfilling customer orders. Let's keep it generic. Okay, fulfilling customer orders. And they've had a few services. So they would offer, let's say, 10 services. And all of them had a different uh, fulfillment flow. So all of them needed a different set of tasks to be done in order to fulfill the, the order. Mm -hmm. And uh, since the project was he very heavily uh, budget limited, we've had very little budget. There was no uh, chance that we could implement all these um, on our own, like we can handle the, impl the analysis implementation. Mm -hmm. And so we were thinking, how can we solve this? Well, we can have one generic solution that will not be so good because you wouldn't have this specific captured in the flow. You wouldn't be able to orchestrate it. And then uh, we were thinking there was this emerging technology. It was completely new mm -hmm. uh, back then for, on the ServiceNow platform uh, called Process Automation Designer where the intention is that you would build, as a developer, build some building blocks and then give these building blocks to the business, uh, to, the, to the power users who can use them to define their own process. And I think this was a win-win mm -hmm. because then uh, we built these building blocks, uh, gave it to the business, and they were so happy because they can have their own flows um, for each of the products. Also, they can do it when they have time. They don't need to do it like, okay, now we have the project, so now you have to pay attention to us, throw your uh, regular um, tasks to the side and, and uh, focus on uh, profiling or creating this solution. Right. Uh, they can do it in their own time, but also the maintainability. Uh, typically, the project ends and then they are on their own. But uh, and the changes typically would need, again, involving the vendor um, in some change management and uh, implementation project to start again. Mm -hmm. But in this case, 
they can even maintain it. So if there there is, for example, some automation or there is a change in the way it is fulfilled, they can just implement it on their own. They don't need to wait for anyone. They don't, uh, need, they to don't need to they, they don't need to hire us exactly. Yeah. Um, and they can just do that right away. Uh-huh. And so you're not afraid of like them just solving all this stuff on their own? I mean, uh, is it I would love that actually. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think looking at this from this point of view that like they are taking our jobs or whatever, right. I the think it's not a good. Our jobs. Yeah, yeah, I think it's not a good point of view because always you will, your your position, your job will shift, will change, and the it's uh, unavoidable. Yeah, it, it will come one day. So I think the best way uh, to handle this is to adjust, to be prepared for that, and uh, look at it from okay, what can I do? in order to stay competitive in this shifting, changing environment. Right. Um, so, for example, um, I see people more going into the governance point uh, side of things mm-hmm. because one of the weak points, let's say, or not, not weak points, but considerations for uh, citizen development is uh, having some oversight, having some governance over that. Because if you just let anyone to do anything and they can deploy it directly to production environment, yeah. it would be a big mess. Uh, therefore, there is a need for governance, mm-hmm. and I think people, for example, would be more shifting into these governance roles to actually be the advisor, the expert, you know, from the development point of view um, on how to best solve these things or standardize, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. So I think when one door closes, another one opens. Sure. So when you're when you're working with a customer, um, you're also trying to really encourage them to build up their own governance mm-hmm. uh, on the platform as well. Definitely. We see that as a huge of huge importance. And typically when you would see, sometimes uh, customers would have troubles with the ServiceNow instance from the point of view of performance, for example. It's performing badly. Mm-hmm. It's taking 10 seconds to load some form, for example, or to, to uh, go forward with some process. Typically, what you would find there as well is lack of governance. So everybody is allowed to do whatever they want. And then from the start, it's not a problem because at the beginning, it doesn't have any uh, impact. Everybody's doing their own. But after a few years, you start seeing these performance issues, for example, or issues that somebody has modified some process in their own way, mm-hmm. but it doesn't fit the other teams. Um, and these things, the governance is trying to prevent these things from happening or uh, co- for them to happen in a controlled manner. Yeah. Um, and that's why also governance is quite challenging uh, to sell to customers yeah. because they care about now. They quite often don't care about five years from now. But in those five years, they will be like, oh, why didn't you tell us that we need to set up the governance and now it's a huge mess? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we we try to uh, sell the governance to them. And typically, this is something that needs to be done on their own. Um, It's best, I think, if uh, the team handling the platform governance is internal customer's team. Mm -hmm. We can, of course, take this role as well, but... uh, from the con- context point of view, for example, it's it's better if it's on the customer side. Uh, to go back to KBC, what was really funny is that they've even sort of uh, adopted it as their own, 
and they use the, a name from a TV show here in, in uh, Czechoslovakia from the 70s. Uh, the, the central brain of humanity that, <laughs> uh, is what they call their, uh, their coordinating team. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, they were really able to adopt it on their own. Um, and it seems like that's, a really, that's the best practice. Um, to, to go for it that way. Definitely. Yeah. And if you look at the example from the KBC, you see also that it's very successful for them. Yeah. Um, we are there, I think it's one of our uh, oldest customers actually. So yeah. we are collaborating with KBC for like seven years or yeah. something like that for a very, very long time. And if we didn't set up this governance uh, practice in the beginning or in the early stages, then already we would be facing the big issues. Mm -hmm. So there you can also see how, how well it works and it really shows uh, that it works. You know, I could use some governance in my own personal life, you know, just having a team <laughs> saying, no, go this way, do this, do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. That would be great. Uh, where uh, leads me to my, my final question for you. Where, where do you see your... Uh, your own career path developing? How are you going to be uh, moving, uh, mm -hmm. advancing? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting question. Uh, when I was thinking back at my career here, um, my main motivator is always to be better, to, to improve. And it doesn't matter in what scenario, in what, in what improve in what. So I'm always looking for new challenges. Uh, for example, right now I'm switching the projects and I'm taking a project where it, it has a um, people say or people think about it when you mention the name of this project that it's not so easy, it's not so good. Yeah, um, It's one of the most challenging projects that we probably have. And uh, I've decided one day, oh, hey, I want to experience that on my own. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm headed now. Um, to improve, and I would say managerial skills, really, and, and uh, customer dealing with customer skills, if it's a challenging environment, to be able to navigate it, um, not be afraid or not afraid, but not be, uh, let's say, distance myself from the problems. Um, if, if it's something that I cannot influence, then I shouldn't have a bad feeling about it. Sure. Right. And that's also applicable to uh, not business life, but the personal life. Mm -hmm. So um, that's where I'm heading right now. That's my next career. Well, uh, this has all been really, really interesting, Philip. And uh, thank you for coming and, and spending some time with us. Thank Philip you for Vatsula. having me. Yeah, Philip Vatsula, Principal Consultant here at Guide Vision. Uh, all the best to you in the new year. And uh, I'm going to be very much looking forward to seeing how these different projects and these innovative things that you're doing are going to continue to develop. Thank you. You've been watching and listening to the Guide Vision pod podcast, uh, Guide Vision Insider. Uh, and uh, stay tuned with us because we're going to be taking you behind the scenes, uh, not only here at Guide Vision, but into the world of service now. My name is Douglas Arianas, and it has been my pleasure to be with you. And I will look forward to seeing you again soon.